Well, please turn in your Bibles to the book of John, uh, to chapter 15. We're going to start reading uh, near the end of John chapter 15. We're going to read from verse 26, and we're going to read into chapter 16. And we're going to particularly be thinking about the Holy Spirit this evening. John chapter 15, starting at verse 26. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. This is Jesus speaking. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. Because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if you were with us in our afternoon services last year, you'll remember that we've been working through a series called Living Theology. Uh, It's theology because we're talking about God, what we believe about God, who He is, and what it means to know Him. But it's living theology. We really want it to be living theology because theology is not meant to be stuffy or boring. Knowing God is meant to transform how we think, how we feel, how we act. Now, last year we covered lots of topics. Uh, We talked about how God reveals himself through creation and scripture. We looked at who God is, a triune God, uh, full of love and grace, powerful, glorious, holy, infinite. Uh, We looked at the problem of sin. And we looked at this incredible God-man, Jesus Christ, who came to deal with that problem. Uh, If you want to listen to Listen back to any of those sermons, you can do so. 
on our website. This year, we're going to be continuing our Living Theology series. We're hoping to spend quite a bit of time this year focusing on all the different aspects of our salvation. But before we get to that, there's an important question that we want to ask tonight. Did we forget the Holy Spirit? I don't just mean in terms of the sermon series, but I mean more generally. In in our lives as Christians, in our church, as Riverbank, even more broadly, in Reformed theology, did we forget the Holy Spirit? Now, it's a fair question because the truth is we talk a lot more about God the Father and God the Son than we do about the Spirit. Every week at Riverbank, we talk about the gospel that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again so that we could have eternal life. And there would be those who ask, well, what about the Holy Spirit? Actually, it's not uncommon for Christians to come to our church and not to stay because they feel that we do not have the right emphasis on the Holy Spirit. They are concerned that Riverbank isn't truly Spirit-led, particularly in the area of spiritual gifts such as prophecy and healing in tongues. Some would say, you've cut yourselves off from the presence, from the power of God. And if that were true, it would be a huge problem, wouldn't it? Because we know being a Christian isn't just about knowing some things and doing some things. It's about being made spiritually alive so we can have a real, genuine relationship with God. That's what it's all about. So we really do need to ask, well, who is the Holy Spirit and what what does He do? What would it look like to have Him in the right place in our lives and in our church? That's what we're going to talk about for about the next seven sermons in this series. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And what better place to start than in John chapters 14 to 17? Because there's actually no other part in Scripture which gives us a more detailed description of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And according to Jesus, it is an amazing, vital ministry. That's our first point this afternoon. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is glorious. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is glorious. Uh, In the verses we just read, chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, if you've got a Bible open, have a look there again. Jesus says, You are filled with grief because I've said these things, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now this is a staggering statement. We need to get our bearings here, work out what's happening. Because as Jesus says these words, you could cut the air with a knife. The tension is palpable. He's in the upper room, surrounded by his beloved disciples. And he has just dropped a bombshell on them. They're sitting there feeling numbed, feeling devastated because Jesus told them he's leaving. In a few hours' time, Judas will betray him. And by this time, tomorrow, their king, their master, their dear friend will be a lifeless, limp body pinned to a cross. And then for a moment, great joy will rise again as Jesus rises again. And then the rug will be pulled out from under their feet because... Jesus won't be sticking around. He's going back to heaven and he's leaving them behind. For the disciples, it's devastating. Jesus tells us how they feel in verse 6. They're filled with grief. 
And I don't think it's hard for us to understand some of what they're feeling. Think about this. Let me ask you. If you could choose this afternoon to have the Holy Spirit with us or to have Jesus himself right here in the flesh, which would you choose? Imagine if I was standing up here and right next to me is Jesus. Right, you would kick me out and get him to preach, surely. I mean, in fact, I think you'd put him on as full-time pastor of Riverbank ASAP. You'd fire anyone you had to to make it happen and give him any amount of money he wanted. And yet Jesus says, it is good for me. It is good for me to go away. It's better. That's how amazing the Spirit must be. But do we believe that? I, I don't think, honestly, I believe that often. I'm often jealous when I read about the disciples. I think, man, I would just love to see what they saw. And I think about my unbelieving friends who I'm trying to share the gospel with, and I wish I could literally introduce them to Jesus and just say, here, here touch him. Come, come and see, listen to him. See him do a miracle. Now you believe, don't you? And yet the Bible tells us that many, many people saw Jesus, saw his miracles, had dinner with him, and yet they didn't believe. So our theology has a big hole in it if we think that all we need is Jesus, that he would have any power or relevance to stone spiritually dead sinners like us without the Holy Spirit. What saves is not getting a look at Jesus, not touching Jesus. What saves is the Word, the Word of the Gospel, applied to our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it takes sin-blind eyes and causes them to see, and sin-deaf ears and causes them to hear, and sin-hardened hearts and makes them soft so that we actually repent and believe. So we tend to think that our Christian lives would probably be better if Jesus was right here. And we could see him with our own eyes, but Jesus said, it is for your good. It's better that I go, because then the Spirit will come. Now, I think we need to unpack what that means, because if we're saying, all right, Jesus is going, the Spirit's coming, and that's better, it's possible to think the Spirit just kind of replaces Jesus, right? Jesus is some kind of earlier model of God's work in the world, but then the Spirit comes and Jesus gets put back on the shelf. You know, he gets subbed out to sit on the bench and the Spirit comes on to the field and kind of brings home the win. Well, we need to think then, what does the Spirit do? What makes the Spirit's ministry so glorious, so wonderful? How does the Spirit's ministry relate to the ministry of Jesus? That brings us to our second point. We've seen that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is glorious. But we also need to see that the ministry of the Holy Spirit leads us to Christ. The ministry of the Holy Spirit leads us to Christ. Uh, during my teens, I listened to a lot of Michael Bublé. Uh, he brought the smooth crooning of singers like Frank Sinatra to a new generation. And I had the privilege of seeing him once in concert in Melbourne, uh, the Rod Labor Arena was packed, and he knew how to put on a show. Thousands of people 
were in that room and they had their eyes fixed on one man wearing a very nice suit and a white shirt and a black tie. But behind the scenes, something was happening to help rivet all of our attention on him. There was a spotlight. There was a shining bright beam of light that shone directly on him and followed him wherever he went. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit is like that spotlight. The job of the Holy Spirit is to shine a light on Jesus Christ so that we see him and we love him more clearly. So when Jesus says he's going away, he's not saying, all right, I'm done. Spirit's going to come in. He'll take over. I'm going to heaven to put my feet up. No, he is going to heaven for his coronation. He's going there to become king of the world, lord of the church, the great high priest at the Father's right hand. R.C. Sproul illustrates this in a helpful way, I think. Uh, You know, election night. Everyone's waiting for the votes to be counted It's nail-biting stuff. They're all standing around waiting to find out who's going to be the next PM. The candidate has that room full of supporters. And then there are cheers and celebrations as the victor is announced and he steps up to the stage to make his victory speech. Now, it would be a bit weird, wouldn't it, if the new prime minister got up and said, wow, guys, this is a ripper of a party tonight. You know what? I don't think I'm going to bother going to Canberra Why don't we just stay here for the next four years and let the good times roll? His supporters would say, excuse me, you jolly well better go to Canberra because that's exactly what we elected you to do. There's work to be done. And so it is with Jesus. His work on the cross is complete, but his mission is still in progress. Right now, Jesus lives and works in head office at the Father's right hand. And Colossians 1 tells us that through Christ, God is reconciling all things to himself, things on earth and things in heaven. This is the work that is still ongoing, the reconciling of all things to God. That's really what we long for as Christians to see all the nations gathered around the throne of God, to see all evil destroyed, to see all brokenness in our bodies, in our world, healed, all things made new. No wonder Jesus says it's for your good that I'm going away. But that's not all, because Jesus goes specifically so that then the Spirit can come. So what's going on there? This is really the key. This is what we need to grasp. The Spirit doesn't just come to do His own thing. He doesn't just have a rogue ministry. We kind of create spiritual hype, uh, some kind of emotional high, some mysterious sense of peace. No, the Spirit's work here on earth is directly linked to the work of the Father and the Son in heaven. Notice in this passage how Jesus draws attention to the Trinity. If you look back to chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, He will ask the Father, and and the Father will send the Spirit. Or in chapter 15, verse 26, we're told, Jesus will send the Spirit to us from the Father. 
So here, here is the triune God working in perfect unison. The Spirit is the third person of the Godhead coming to apply our salvation to us. This is so important. He, he takes the salvation that the Father planned and the Son accomplished and He enables us to actually participate in it, to experience it, to be part of it. It's like God provides the medicine and then the Spirit takes it and actually administers it to us. Why? So that through the Spirit, we can be brought into the glorious loving relationship that the Father and the Son and the Spirit have shared with each other for all eternity. Friends, this is really the reason we were saved. This is really the the whole goal of our lives. To know and to enjoy God the Trinity forever. And it's the Spirit that makes that possible. This is remarkable. When the Spirit lives in us, it's really equivalent to saying the Father and the Son live in us. Jesus says in chapter 14, verse 20, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Do you see how comforting that is? His disciples, they're filled with grief. They're heartbroken because Jesus is leaving. And Jesus says, well, I'm not, I'm not really leaving at all. In fact, in chapter 14, verse 23, the Father and I are coming to make our home with you. I want to make my home in you, Jesus says. How could I do that if I stayed here in the Middle East? I've got one physical body. I'm stuck in one place at one time. How can I be present with all my people in Riverside and in Africa and in America all at the same time? How can I be with Anna Nelson in the nursing home and and Phil on the worksite and Jack in his office all at the same time? Jesus says, it's good that I'm going because then my, my spirit, my spirit will be in you. The spirit that enabled me to obey God every day of my life, the spirit that helped me do all these miracles and heal these people and raise the dead, the spirit that raised me from the dead will live in you and will empower you to carry on my mission. So when the Spirit comes, really Jesus himself comes with more power and more fullness than ever before. So what's the answer to our question? What does the Spirit do? What's his work all about? Well, the ministry of the Spirit is all about leading us deeper into Christ, who in turn leads us to the Father. The Spirit's ministry is Jesus applied. It's Jesus understood. It's Jesus worshipped. It's Jesus loved. It's Jesus glorified. It's Jesus in every believer and in every church all around the world at the same time. That's the ministry of the Spirit. Let me give you just a couple of quick examples of how this works. You see um, John 16 verse 1. I think that should be John 16 Verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. What truth? The truth about Christ, contained in Scripture. You see, chapter 15, verse 25, it says, the spirit will testify about Jesus. 
So the Spirit enables us not just to know stuff, but to know Christ. And the Spirit enables us to become like Christ. The Spirit doesn't just produce random spiritual experiences in us. He wants to bear fruit in our lives. What type of fruit? Well, fruit that specifically makes us more like Christ. So the Spirit enables us to know Christ. He enables us to become more like Christ. He also enables us to become part of Christ's body, the church. Jack preached on this this morning, if you were here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Spirit doesn't just empower us to do cool party tricks. He empowers us with gifts so that the church of Christ may be built up. And why? Why build the church up? Is it just so that we can sort of sit around together and sing kumbaya and hold hands? No. It's so that together we will go out into the world and continue the mission of Jesus Christ. John's go- uh, yeah, Jesus is going to pray at the end of this little section in John 17 verse 18, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We're going to look at all those things in the weeks to come. For now, do you see the main idea? You see how the central ministry of the Spirit is to unite us to Jesus Christ. The Spirit leads us to the Son, who leads us to the Father, so that we can be wrapped up in the warm embrace of our gracious, loving, triune God as He makes His home with us. We sometimes struggle to believe Jesus when he says, it's for your good that I'm going away, don't we? But, but look at how caring and compassionate Jesus is here. He's about to be crucified. What's he thinking about? Us. He knows his disciples will be persecuted. He knows they're going to be worried that he's leaving. And so his, his focus here is to comfort them and to give them peace. And specifically, he's going to do that by talking about the Holy Spirit. Is there anything more comforting than this, this promise Chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Oh, weary Christian, you're not alone. Riverbank, we are not alone. God has sent another advocate. Notice, there's not just one advocate, there's two advocates. There's one in heaven, it's Jesus Christ reigning now as Lord of all. And there is another advocate, the Holy Spirit, in our hearts right now. What is an advocate, you say? Very good question. It's the Greek word paraclete. Ah... Sometimes it's translated helper or comforter. It often used to refer to an attorney or a lawyer. Uh, Not just any attorney, but like a family attorney who was kept on permanent retainer so that any time the family had problems, they would call on him and he would come alongside and he would advocate for them and he would defend them and he would strengthen them. So, you know, the word comforter... The problem with it is it sounds a little bit wimpy, doesn't it? I thought R.C. Sproul made a helpful comment about this. He said, The Holy Spirit 
comes to the people of Christ not to heal their wounds after a battle, but to strengthen them before and during a struggle. The idea is that the church operates not so much as a hospital, but as an army. And the Holy Spirit comes to empower and strengthen Christians to ensure victory or conquest. Isn't that good news to hear as we head into this week? A week that's going to be full of different struggles and different temptations. We don't go alone. We go with all the power of the triune God who loves us, strengthens us, lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, what do you think? Did we forget the Holy Spirit? It's complex, isn't it? I think that's a question we really need to keep asking ourselves. Have we forgotten the Holy Spirit just because we aren't always talking about Him and praying to Him? Well, no, because the central ministry of the Holy Spirit is to lead us to Christ. In fact, we should be wary if, if we're sort of seeking spiritual experiences that don't really connect us to Jesus Christ and His Word. The Spirit isn't an emotion that we feel. The Spirit is a person that we know. How do you know if you know Him? How do you know if the Spirit lives in you? Because in your life, He will be spotlighting Jesus. And you'll be growing in your relationship with Jesus. And when that happens, you know the Spirit is in you. So did we forget the Holy Spirit? Well, perhaps not. But then again, perhaps Let's not be too quick to point our fingers at our charismatic and Pentecostal friends because our Reformed churches can easily swing too far the other way. We can get so obsessed with being right, with getting every doctrine just beautifully, perfectly right, that we forget what the truth is actually for. What is the truth for? Well, it's meant to change us. In these chapters, Jesus is so clear about this. Two examples. Chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Or chapter 15, verse 16. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Uh, I think Christian author Scott Petty speaks about this so helpfully. We're going to finish here. He says this. Being spiritual is not about just being right. There is absolutely no point in claiming that any teaching or experience we have is from the Holy Spirit if it does not move us towards the kind of life that Jesus lived. And then Scott goes on, Even in my own church, I worry that I talk, people listen, but nothing changes. Or people read, but nothing changes. Or people learn, but nothing changes. And then he gives this excellent piece of advice. Let's finish with this. Make sure that what you learn moves you and changes you to be more like Jesus. Let's pray. Let's ask God to do that in us.
Oh God, we are so thankful that we're not alone. We've seen just a little glimpse tonight of how Jesus' ascension to heaven is not a bad, sad thing. Because he is now reigning as our king and our priest and our Lord in heaven. And he has given us the Holy Spirit. So that we can honestly say that God is with us. God is in us. You, Lord God, live in us. And you are empowering us for everything. You're leading us into the truth. You're transforming us to be more like Christ. You're knitting us together as a church. And you're sending us out on a glorious evangelistic mission. Oh God, we thank you that you're with us every day, every moment. This gives us so much comfort. Lord, I pray that each person here would know the Spirit living in them because they love Jesus. They have turned from their sin and they have asked Jesus to be their Savior. Lord, we pray that we would not just get caught up in knowing the right things and looking down on those who perhaps don't quite have it right. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in us and change us to be more and more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.